0: Live from the basement, this is Cellar Dweller Sports. And we're back with another edition of Cellar Dweller Sports featuring K-Dog and G-Mac.
1: Welcome back to The Cellar. We're here with the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders.
0: Today's rundown, we have the A-10 top four and tournament preview. Then we have the Knicks and Nets preview and rewind. And then to finish it off, we have the Islanders and Rangers preview and rewind. So first off, we'll start out with the A-10 top four and... We'll start out with the number one spot. And the Bonnies clinched the one seed in the A10 tournament with an 11 and 3 conference record. So they won the regular season A10 after winning three straight games two against Davidson and one against George Washington. The latest game, they absolutely annihilated George Washington 88 to 41. And it was just. An all around great game from the Bonnies. And if they win against Dayton on Monday, it will only push this team forward and give them even more uh, boost and assurance in the A 10 tournament.
1: Yeah, so uh, I didn't realize this, but this was the first time Bonnies has won outright the regular season championship mm-hmm. uh, previously. They had a share of the regular season championship, but this is the first time they've won outright in the regular season. So that's a big win for the Bonnies. They got to uh, finish the season strong, make a big push in the A10 tournament so they could solidify their stock for the uh, NCAA tournament. And I think they're ranked about 28th right now in the country.
0: Yeah, that, that, yeah. The uh, Ken Palm rankings, I think it said 32, but net rankings, they're, yeah, they're, I think they're within the top 30. So uh next, number two, this spot is solidified as well. VCU is the number two seed for the tournament at 10 and 4, 17 and 6 overall. And the clinch for the Bonnies came off a VCU lost to Davidson 65 to 57. Uh the leading performer for Davidson was Kellen Grady with 13 points, four rebounds, three assists on five of 13 shooting. They also had Luka Brock Brejovich with seven of nine shooting from the field. That's good for 15 points and two rebounds. Uh, this team, uh, even though the Bonnies beat them twice, this team is a, a very good team, a uh, very offensive heavy team. And uh, they shut down VCU on the offensive side. And usually VCU is the one with uh, a bunch of scoring opportunities. But uh, Nashawn Hyland didn't play once again. And if he's not ready for the tournament, I think uh, VCU might be an early out.
1: Yeah, certainly uh, the absence of Bones is a a problem for VCU. And uh, VCU is also without one of their starters. Who's not with the team for personal reasons. But um, certainly, the Bones Highland injury is key to VCU's success, not only in the A10 tournament, but whether they get selected for the uh, NCAA tournament if they don't win the A10 tournament. Uh, you know, the selection committee would certainly take into account uh, the injury of Highland, and if he, he were not able to play, that would certainly impact uh their their selection uh for the the big dance
0: yeah that is true um now we'll move on to the number three spot and it is the UMass Minutemen six and three in conference seven and five overall uh that their latest game they just came off a slacking from Richmond 79 to 65 uh Richmond just dominated this game uh, from the get-go. They, they out, they outscored UMass in the first half, 43 to 32. So they were up 11 already and they just kept on adding to that. Uh, They never uh, lost the lead and Richmond seems to be ready for the tournament. I don't know if UMass is ready for the tournament yet, but We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, they play St. Louis this coming Monday for their final game of the season. And if they could win that, it would be big for them. And if they don't win, then uh, I think that their, their ranking right now in the A-10 is just based off of uh, how little games they've played so far.
1: I would agree with you. I think UMass's ranking currently is overstated by – quite a bit uh as you have said because they played a limited limited number of games due to COVID. you know the richmond beat beat them handily by 14 points they end the season with st louis I, i i can't see umass beating st louis yeah neither can i you know and and if they don't beat uh st louis then they finish out of the top four you know and this this will open the door for davidson and uh you know, uh, otherwise, you, you know, George Mason surprisingly is knocking on the door to be in the top, top four, four. Yeah. as well as Dayton. I mean, yeah. if Dayton beats Bonnie's, they have, they have an opportunity to get into top, the top four if things fall correctly. Uh, but certainly, um, George Mason is a surprise knocking on the door for the top four. And you want the top four because then you get the double buy in the tournament.
0: Yes, yeah, that is uh that is very true. Um, so if yeah, if you get the double buy in the A10, it's huge, especially because all these games uh could go either way usually because the A10 is a very strong conference. But uh, we'll move to the number four spot, and it is Davidson at number four. Uh, they are seven and four in conference, twelve and seven overall. And we already talked about their latest game against VCU, winning at home against VCU. Uh, They're a a team to be reckoned with. Uh, They have great scoring, great shooting, great – they have pretty good defense as well. But, uh, yeah, they're one team that uh, I I would be nervous for if I was a a fan of anyone but them.
1: Certainly Davidson has the uh, talent to – be a a major force in the A-10 tournament and and you don't want to be matching up with them when they're hot from the arc. And you know that's that's the big thing for Davidson is if uh they're hitting from the field they will be tough to beat. You have to be able to guard uh their their perimeter shooting extremely close. Otherwise they'll they'll light you up and uh you know that's kind of what they did with VCU. They were just so hot from the field. That you know, VCU couldn't uh, compete with them, and they seem to be able to break VCU's havoc press defense. You know, setting up easy opportunities going the other way. So I think you know Davidson uh, could be dangerous in the tournament, and it's going to be contingent on you know how hot they are from the field and whether mm-hmm. they can shoot a high field goal uh, percentage in the tournament going forward. If you, you know, if you, if you defend them and you, and uh, they're cold from field, then it becomes a, a longer day for Davidson.
0: Yeah. The the only two people that you really need to watch out for on their team is uh, Calvin Grady, obviously. And then Hong, Hong Jung Lee for uh, Davidson as well. He's uh, one of the best three point shooters in the A-10 right now, shooting at 43%. So, yeah, those are the two players you need to watch out for most on that team.
1: And I think that's uh, where Bonnie's had their success. They focused on those two players, took them out of the game, essentially, and said, you know, somebody else is going to have to beat us uh, because those two players, you know, Bonnie said they're not going to beat us. They'll get some points, but they're not going to beat us. And you got to figure out who else on that roster is going to beat us. Uh, That's really, I think, how – you know you have to handle the uh, davidson wildcats because if you let those two guys shoot and they and they and they warm up and they're hot they're they're going to be lights out it's going to be mm-hmm. lights out for you
0: yeah yeah that is that is right on spot on but now we'll move on to the a10 tournament bracket preview
1: okay so Instead of having a a spotlight game, we're going to go through the A10 tournament predictions based on the current standings. We realize there's uh, more games to complete out complete the season, but at the time of this recording, we're going to go with the standard. So, um, current standard. So, K Dog, we have in the play-in round, which starts Wednesday, March third. At the Seagull Center in V at VCU, mm-hmm. we have number eleven seed George Washington versus number fourteen seed Fordham. So, who, who do you expect to win that game? Uh,
0: this one is this one is interesting, but uh, I think I'm going to go with George Washington in this one, even though they just got shlacked by uh, the Bonneys in the their uh in their last game of the season i believe it was but uh i think that they're just they're they're a pretty good team they have some good players including jameson battle he was given uh the even though it was a blowout that he was given a bonnie's fits the whole entire game uh also james bishop is a great player for them as well at guard uh but yeah i think that they could easily beat fordham fordham just uh uh, they, they just need to improve big time. Every game they've played this year, basically, they've been blown out. Uh, but, yeah, Fordham uh, is going to be, I think, uh, easy out, and George Washington will advance.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think George Washington, yeah, I mean, you can't take a lot away from the Bonnies game this past week where the, the, you know, the Bonnies just rubbed them. Uh, the, the bodies were on fire from the field. Their whole their whole game was clicking, you know. So I think it was just the wrong day, wrong time for GW. I don't think they're as bad as the forty point loss to Bonaventure may indicate. And you know, Fordham just has not shown the ability uh, to win and win consistently in the A10. And I don't expect that they're going to start to win now. Uh, so as a result, I think the number 11 seed GW beats Fordham. And then uh, also on Wednesday, March 3rd at the Siegel Center, uh, we have number 12 seed LaSalle versus number 13 seed St. Joe's k Dogs. So what do you got for this one?
0: Uh, for this one, I'm going to go with the upset and I'm going to pick saint joe's to beat LaSalle. really um, yeah i think i think saint joe's is a decent team they they came off like even though their record is is pretty bad um they've had a t- really tough schedule this year especially the out of conference schedule uh they just faced a buzzsaw in that one but they're coming off uh two straight wins against LaSalle. uh on the 20th of February, 91 to 82. And then they just, they beat Dayton 97 to 84. So I think they might be clicking at the right time to get one of these wins. Uh, Their leading player, uh, Taylor Funk, Uh, 17.6 points per game, also six rebounds per game. And he's shooting 48% from the field. So I think he's going to carry them uh, through this one. Uh, in the tournament game, but I think St. Joe's will beat LaSalle in the first round.
1: Okay. Well, I I disagree with you. I think in the battle of Philadelphia, uh, LaSalle beat St. Joe's LaSalle has, you know, they have some pretty good wins on their, on their uh, resume, you know? So I I think they've shown flashes where they can compete. And as a result, I think they take care of business with St. Joe's on the, that first first day of the tournament. So moving to uh, the second round of the tournament, Thursday, March 4th, you will have the number eight seed, the Dayton Flyers, versus the number nine seed, the Duquesne Dukes, k Dog. So what do you got there?
0: Uh, I'm going with uh, Dayton on this one. Uh, I think that they're just – Uh, the better team against a Duquesne in this one, in this game. Um, They did come off a loss against St. Joe's, but Dayton has big wins. Uh, One coming against uh, St. Louis winning 76 to 53. That's, that's a big win for them. And they had, they've two wins against St. Louis. Uh, They, they previously beat Duquesne. They, they split the season with Duquesne. Uh, They won the first matchup, lost the second matchup. But uh, I think that Jalen Crutcher and uh, Ivy Watson uh, can bring this team past uh, Duquesne and bring them into the next round.
1: I would agree with you. I think Duquesne has had a really good season. They had a couple of uh, players that were slated to be starters uh, leave the team at the beginning of the season. So that set them back back a bit, but they still competed and they battled and they have some good wins on their resume. I just think that, you know, Dayton, that Dayton is kind of the, I think Dayton and St. Louis are the sleeper teams in this tournament. Um, Jalen Crutcher, as you mentioned, you know, I think he's one of the top guards in the a 10. Um, and I think that, you know, Dayton kind of, uh, you know, the, they're just above 500 in, in the a10 but i think i think they're better than that so i would expect uh dayton to beat duquesne as well yeah so then in the next bracket we got number five the richmond spiders versus uh you know you pick saint joe's i pick LaSalle. so um who with your pick of saint joe's who do you think oh, wins richmond. that game?
0: i think richmond's gonna win this one uh i i don't think it'll be a contest to be honest uh richmond is better than both of the teams that are coming out of that play in game uh led by uh blake francis jacob gilliard the senior grant golden and they also have nathan cayo and uh and Tyler Burton in their starting lineup. All these guys are averaging double digits. So, uh, averaging double digits in the point category. They also are pretty good on on the uh, rebounding side of the game as well. And defensively, they are pretty good. Jacob Gilliard averages three and a half steals a game. So, uh, either St. Joe's or LaSalle is going to have to watch their pockets in this one, but Richmond's going to take this one.
1: I agree. I think uh, Richmond who, who may finish higher than a five seed, Again, this is based on the standings at the time of our recording, but Richmond may, may even be in the top four. They may even get a double buy. Uh, I don't think either LaSalle or St. Joe's is going to compete with Richmond. Um, they have uh, big time senior leadership, Richmond, they have a, a, a strong inside game. Got good a good perimeter game as well. So I think Richmond uh, takes this one in this matchup. Mm-hmm. Then uh, th- this next game is, would be number seven St. Louis and number versus number ten Rhode Island. K Dog, what do you got in this
0: one? Uh, this is going to be this would be a good matchup. Um, but I'm going to go with St. Louis to win this one. Uh, I know that they they they're coming off the COVID pause where they're four and four in conference, but uh, some of their wins are good. Some of their losses are not that good. They only the only loss that was not that good uh, uh, after the COVID pause pause was against Dayton, where they just got beat down by twenty three points. But the loss against VCU is understandable. VCU is a great team. And then they just go in and beat Richmond uh, on Friday, uh, seventy-two to sixty-seven, and they got they got a stacked lineup as well: Jordan Goodwin, Javante Perkins, Yuri Collins, Hassan French. Uh, those guys are just bringing this team to uh, a win in my book against uh, Rhode Island, and Fats Russell, unfortunately, will not have the storybook ending that he wants in Rhode Island.
1: Yeah, I think uh, for me, Rhode Island is probably the most disappointing team in the A-10. I think, uh, you know, they they were expected to be more of a contender, more of a force in the A-10 this year. Mm-hmm. And it, it just hasn't materialized whether Fats Russell's injuries have slowed him down. And uh, there, there wasn't there's not enough uh, depth to pick that up. Not sure. St. Louis, to me, you know, was a uh, favorite to win the A10 at the beginning of this season and uh, I think you know St. Louis was probably most impacted by COVID in the A10 they had a long layoff before coming back they've been very inconsistent they have a lot of depth in their lineup so you expect them to to make a run and I, and I think the only way St. Louis makes the tournament is if they win the A10 so uh, I think they have a lot to lot to play for mm-hmm and I think, uh, they'll cruise past St. Louis. Uh, they'll cruise past, uh, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in the next bracket, we got number six, uh, George Mason versus, uh, we both picked GW to play in this game. So who, who, who do you like in this one?
0: Oh, I like George Mason in this one. Uh, they're on a, they're on a four game win streak. So, uh, if they keep on taking this, uh, these wins into the into the tournament uh they'll easily beat George Washington. Uh some of the they already beat George they just beat George Washington this week 63 to 58. Uh recently they destroyed LaSalle 89 to 54. Uh they also beat VCU on this win streak and they beat Fordham on this win streak. So uh I think that George Mason is gonna easily beat, uh, George Washington, uh, Jordan Miller for them is leading this team with 16 points per game on 46% shooting. Uh, so I think he'll carry this team to the win against George Washington.
1: I would agree with you. Um, as you stated, Mason's hot, I've won four consecutive games, big win against VCU, uh, which, you know, goes a long way for them on their resume. Seems like they're starting to click um, and play more consistent basketball. So I, I, I see them beating GW if GW is the uh, team they face uh, rather easily. And that, and that sets them up for the quarterfinals, right? So now mm-hmm. we enter the, the, the quarterfinals Friday, March 5th. So let's start with the uh, number one seed, St. Bonaventure, Bonnie's versus uh, who we predicted would be that they would play the number eight seed Dayton Flyers.
0: Yeah, so uh, this one will be a matchup of the, the last game of the season if it were to happen this way. But um, I think the Bonnies are going to beat Dayton in this one. Uh, the Bonnies right now are just clicking on all cylinders. Uh, their starting five are just performing tremendously well right now especially in the final games of the season. Kyle Wafton, Don Welch, Oshun, Jalen Attaway, and Jaron Holmes, all in double digit uh, points per game. Jalen Attaway shooting 55% from the field. Oshun shooting 53% from the field. All of them are shooting over 45% from the field on the season. And, uh, uh, they they recently have been clicking from three point land. So if that if that keeps on happening, uh, I think the Bonnies might be unstoppable.
1: Well, yeah, I think I think for Bonaventure, you know, it comes down to their defense, right? They've pretty much the best defense in the eight uh, ten, mm-hmm. and statistically may have the best defense in the eight uh, ten, based on today's numbers. So for for Bonas, it comes down to for me defense and holding teams to uh, a low number of points uh, because at times they struggle from the field. Mm -hmm. So they they can't forget what gets them, you know, gets them their points and that's really driving to the basket, trying to uh, get points from inside the paint, playing good defense and and rebounding, then hitting the, uh, the timely three, which is the way they need to go. You know, Dayton's one of these teams that worries me. Uh, mm-hmm. Against Bonas because you know typically Bonas has not played well against Dayton. I think Dayton has won the last few meetings against Saint Bonaventure. Mm-hmm. So th- this is one of those programs that you know uh, Bonas just seems to have trouble with. But I-, I would, if these two teams match up in the quarters, I, I expect the Bonnies to um, beat the Flyers in this one. Uh, You know, I think, uh, you know, Jalen Crutcher certainly is the, one of the top guards in the a 10, but I think Bonnie's defense can contain him force others on the team to beat them much like they do with Davidson. And then I think, uh, you know, Bonas will win this game.
0: Yeah. The, the, the Jalen Crutcher, Kyle Lofton matchup would be a very uh, good matchup to watch.
1: That, w- that would be a good matchup to watch, you know, and, and I'm thinking that, um, you know, they, they may, I, I don't know if uh, they, that's the way they would guard each other or whether mm-hmm. Bonaventure would have Dom Welch guard uh, Jalen Crutcher, yeah. you know, because, you know, for, from, you know, from my perspective, uh, Dom Welch is, I think, one of the, the best defenders you know, when they put him on Lee, yeah. you know, Davidson's Lee,
0: Locked he really up.
1: he really started to contain uh, Lee. So I think, you know, he, he might match up with Crutcher. Don't know. Kyle Lofton may match up with him, but I'm thinking that would be the matchup.
0: Yeah. But, yeah.
1: So then in the other quarterfinal on that day, if these seeds hold remain, you would have number four Davidson play in Richmond, which is a very intriguing game.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, this is gonna, this would be a great matchup. Uh, Davidson finishing off the season, obviously against a a win against VCU. Um, I, this is a good matchup, but I'm gonna have to go with Davidson in this one. Um, Davidson, they just, they shoot so well and, uh, Richmond right now is giving up about 70 points per game. Uh, And if Davidson's scoring 72 points per game. So if like, if Richmond gives up that many points to, uh, if Richmond gives up that many points to Davidson, I think that Davidson might put like 80 plus points on them possibly with uh, Grady and Lee. But, yeah, I think uh, Davidson's going to win this one, especially uh, their defense is starting to heat up as of late. Yeah, I mean,
1: um, so if this matchup were to occur, I'd pick the Richmond Spiders over Davidson. Wow. You know, I think these two teams are fairly comparable. I think that the uh, Richmond Spiders have more of a balanced game, meaning I think they can score – more from in the paint than yeah, Davidson came, scoring. right? And, and Davidson is definitely a perimeter shooting team. And, uh, you know, Richmond, I think, can do both. I think they can compete with Davidson on the arc. Uh, and I think they have a little bit more strength down low in the paint. So I, I, w- I think Richmond uh, would beat Davidson in this matchup if it were to occur. Mm-hmm then uh the next matchup in the quarters if everything stays the same is you'd have vcu play st louis k dog so who, who do you got in this one to me to me this is the most intriguing matchup yeah, of the quarters be, Yeah,
0: if, if this were to happen i think this might be game of the quarterfinals uh obviously they had a really close game um at vcu and uh st louis lost but uh i'm gonna go with the the upset uh, quote unquote with St. Louis, uh, I think St. Louis is gonna ride this hot streak sh- uh, since the I think they're gonna I think they're gonna win their final game of the season against uh, UMass and uh, they already beat Richmond uh, this weekend, so I think they're gonna ride the hot streak into the tournament led by uh, Jordan Goodwin, uh, Yuri Collins, Hassan French, and company. And I think they'll take down VCU, especially if VCU doesn't have uh, Nishan Highland. uh, They might be in trouble.
1: Uh, I would agree with you, right? Um, So you must have taken my bracket notes here because I am also uh, picking St. Louis to beat VCU. You know, I picked St. Louis to beat VCU in the game they played this last week. Uh, Certainly, if they don't have Bones Highland, Although you know VCU beat them without Bones Highland, uh, I can't see them beating them again without Bones Highland. You know VCU has you know the freshman Ace Baldwin who really is coming into his own, playing a playing a heck of a, uh, a basketball at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know for for uh, Saint Louis. They, they they're really deep. They're really deep. Uh, even if they get into foul trouble, they have b- big man after big man to put into the game. Uh, and I think that that depth for St. Louis um, against VCU would really come into play. Um, you know, you called it Hassan French, right? Mm-hmm. Martin, Martin, listen. Uh, two big men, you know, they had both fouled out in the fourth quarter in the last game against VCU. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that played a big part in uh, VCU's victory. And the other thing for St. Louis against VCU is they turned the ball over 15 times, uh, which really hurt them. So I I don't expect uh, St. Louis to do that again. And then the Billikens in the first, uh, first half, only shot 33% from the field. So, you know, that's how how they fell behind. So I think uh, in this rematch, I think they take care of the ball a little bit better. Their players don't turn it over as much. Their big men don't get in foul trouble, and I think they'll beat uh, VCU. Yeah. The next next and last quarterfinal, if it were to hold, would be George Mason versus the UMass
0: Minutemen. Um, yeah, so UMass versus George Mason, uh, I'm gonna go with, I think I'm going to go with UMass on this one against George Mason. Uh, I know that they, UMass recently lost to Richmond by a lot, but, uh, it, I think that they can beat, uh, George Mason, especially, uh, uh, against them they they only lost by a point uh but i think that umass could potentially win this one with uh trey mitchell dominating the the paint and the boards uh he averages 19 points a game seven rebounds a game and he's shooting 50 from the field uh i think that he's the one to watch in this one and if they were to win this game i think it's Going to be because of Trey Mitchell.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm going with the hot hand. I'm going with George Mason mm. in this game if this matchup were to occur. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not impressed with UMass. I, I think again, and you stated it before. I think their ranking is just a byproduct of COVID and not playing uh, nearly as many games as these other teams in the conference, and, and also I think you know their schedule was one of the weaker uh, schedules in the conference. George Mason is hot at this point in time. And if they continue to be hot in the tournament, you know, th- they'll have one, five or six in a row. So I'm going with the hot hand. I think, mm-hmm. I think uh, George Mason upsets UMass uh, in this one, setting up the final four semifinals for Saturday, March 5th. So if, uh, this were all come into play uh, the first semifinal would be Bonas and for your pick against Davidson, right? Yeah. And my, it would be Bonas versus Richmond for my pick. So what, 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 what do you think is going to happen? Bonas versus Davidson?
0: I think regardless of that game, I think that uh, the Bonnies are going to win again. I uh, might be biased, but I, They've they've had Davidson's number all year. They beat Richmond as well, you know, early in the season. A huge win for them to start out the season. But I just think uh, the Bonnies have the Bonnies defense is just gonna uh, lock down on both of these teams. Richmond Richmond scores a ton of points per game, uh, just like uh, Davidson, and the Bonnies held Davidson down. For both games, they held Richmond down in the game that they played against. And I think it would just continue. um, And the Bonnies would move on to the finals.
1: I I think Bonaventure would beat either team. And in my case, I picked Richmond. You know, Bonnies beat Richmond early on this year right? And I think Bonaventure has certainly matured and improved a great deal since the last time they played Richmond, beating them down in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and has beat Richmond last year too, um, during the regular season. So I think Bonaventure, um, you know, has had success against both of these teams recently. I expect that success to continue if, uh, against either team, whoever they meet in the, um, semifinals and then uh, in the other semifinal we both pick Saint Louis so yeah. you would it would be Saint Louis versus for you UMass Saint Louis versus Mason for me so uh who who do you like in that one?
0: I think uh St. Louis has beaten either team in this one. Uh uh for my case against UMass, I think uh the big men like you talked uh, previously uh, Hassan French and, uh, Martin Linson, uh, will shut down Trey Mitchell. Uh, they, they usually shut down the big men on the other team. And then I think they have the scoring to, uh, outplay UMass. I think, uh, St. Louis, uh, will just tear apart UMass. I think they're going to show it in the preview on Monday against them. And, uh, I think it'll just continue and, uh, St. Louis will play, uh, the Bonnies in the finals.
1: I, I agree with you. I think, um, I, I've been high on St. Louis all season. I was high on St. Louis in the preseason, uh, expecting them to be a, a strong candidate for a 10 champion, uh, certainly. So I'm not going to stop now. I think St. Louis beats either UMass or Mason, um, pretty handily. I think uh, if they get this far, if St. Louis gets this far, then, you know, they'll have started to mesh. And I think um, as you put it, their big men will be a problem for either UMass or or Mason. And, you know, they're a very well-balanced team. I'm surprised they're struggling the way they are struggling uh, at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So, so we'll see, but I think St. Louis moves on and then you have uh bonnie's versus st louis in a rematch of the 2019 championship game right where yeah. st louis st louis won that game
0: yeah um uh you know and, second and, final second three uh missed unfortunately for the Bonnie right
1: and, you know bonnie's doesn't play well against st louis k-dog
0: yeah, they don't. But I, I, this is this is definitely biased. But I think they, they, <laughs> I think they find a way, uh, exact a revenge for the 2019 tournament and the game this year, and they find a way to win. Uh, but previously against St. Louis, uh, their three-point shooting was not good whatsoever. But in the the past few games, they they've started they've started to heat up from three. And their defense has just been locked down. And uh, I think it'll give St. Louis fits. And if Hassan French gets into foul trouble, like he did last game, uh, the Bonnies were close when Hassan was out. So if he has a lot of fouls, then I think they find a way to uh, beat St. Louis and they're going to have to stop Javante Perkins in, in this one.
1: Yes, so th- this, this would be a very entertaining game to say the least the rematch from 2019 st louis beat them this year and, and i think if these two teams do meet in the championship game uh one of the certainly the bonnies have to play defense and everybody has to rebound right sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes the bonnies they, they look to just uh oh soon or Dom Welch for rebounding. Everybody's got to be rebounding uh, against St. Louis, and you know their defense has to be good. And they ha- and what has to happen is soon cannot get in foul trouble. You know that's the, the that's that's the thing with the Bonnies, Even though mm-hmm. Shaw, I think when he comes in, you know he plays pretty darn well. Yeah, in my, he's played really well. My opinion. Season. I mean, you know, cer- certainly. Osun has more experience than he does. And, um, but I don't think that young man gets his due because he comes in and, you know, he stabilizes things and he ties it over until Osun could get back in the game. And I I think, you know, that's the key. The, The key is Osun can't get in foul trouble. Because that, that's where St. Louis has their advantage. They have their advantage in the depth of their of their size. Mm-hmm. I think the Bonnies have the advantage in, in their guard play. Uh, and you know, they 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 just can't get in, soon just can't get in foul trouble. If he gets in foul trouble, Bonnies will be in, in for a lot of trouble because then St. Louis is just gonna bury the ball down low. And, you know, Bonaventure is going to have a hard time handle handling that. And um, I think Bonnie's also, too, has to stay within their game. And at, at times they seem to press and, um, you know, force up shots where they don't really need to. Mm-hmm. And if they can if they can drive the lane and kick it out, if the shot's not there, uh, they, they have enough shooting ability to, to knock those shots down and play that inside outside game. So, you know, I'm going to go with the Bonnies. I think, uh, they can get revenge for 2019, get revenge for their earlier loss this season. If those things happen, you know, and then, uh, you know, if they win the a 10 tournament, well, they're certainly in the, their automatic bid to the big dance, but, um, you know, do you think, uh, who do you think will make the the NCAA tournament at the A-10 if things, you know, go the way
0: you and I are uh, calling for? Um, If it were to happen the way we think and VCU, I mean, uh, uh, St. Louis loses in the finals, I think it'll be St. Bonaventure and uh, VCU to uh, make the tournament.
1: You don't think St. Louis would make the tournament with a run like that?
0: Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I I, with their with their uh, uh a10 record at five and four. I'm not sure if they they could scratch it out.
1: Okay, because they they have some uh, pretty good non conference wins, right? Yeah, so, yeah. That,
0: yeah, that it, it's 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 a tough call, but I think it would be the Bonnies and uh, the Rams, uh, VCU, too.
1: What if St Louis wins the a10 championship?
0: Oh, then Bonnie's and St Louis VCU's out. You think VCU would go out, huh? I think so. Yeah, I think it's wow. only going to be two teams. You only think two. You only
1: think the A10 gets two teams, huh?
0: Yeah, unfortunately. But I, I, I think that's how it's going to happen. But if they, if they were to let VCU in, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think uh, the way people are talking, it's going to be a two-team uh, uh, tournament team.
1: Okay. Well, I'm looking for. I could see up to three teams making the tournament. And I, I think if St. Louis wins the A-10, I think you have three teams yep. from the A-10 in the tournament, Bonas and VCU joining St. Louis. So I'm, uh, I'm expecting you – know, I don't I'm know where St. Louis will fall if they make a run and they lose in the finals. You know, that certainly beyond the bubble. But I think, um, you know, I think Bonnie's is in, unless they really have a bad – you know, unless they lose to date in the last game of the season, and they have a bad uh tournament, I think they're in, and I think VCU's in, unless they have a really bad tournament.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and or Bones Highland isn't uh available to play.
0: Yeah. Uh, for the for preseason, did you also have Bonnie's VC? Uh, Bonnie's uh St. Louis in the finals. I did. Yeah. Same. I I also had them. Yes, I did. You're right. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So it looks like the preseason. Correlates. So we'll to, see how that goes. Yeah, correlates to the postseason for us. But uh, you're right. We'll see how that goes. But now we'll move on to our next topic, which is the Nets and Knicks preview and rewind. Uh, we'll start out with the the Nets, the hometown team, uh, with their rewind. Uh, for this week, they had they had three games. Uh, against the Kings, Magic and Mavericks. and they went two and one on the week. So we'll start out with the Kings game. And uh, yeah, the Nets won this game 127 to 118, handily beating the Kings in this one. Uh, the the Nets uh, had their number the entire game. Uh, they went down uh, late in the they went down in the third for a little bit, came back and just uh, powered through. But uh, James Harden was the star of this one once again. 29 points, 11 rebounds, and uh, 14 assists on 9 of 22 shooting. Uh, Kyrie Irving also had 21 points uh, on 7 assists as well. But the, the actually, the story for this one, since James Harden's been playing at an MVP level since he's joined the, the uh, Nets, uh the story for this one was bruce brown 29 points on 11 of 13 shooting 2 for 3 from three point range uh i don't think anyone expected that but bruce brown with the almost 30 bomb against the sacramento kings
1: yeah, and and bruce brown had 13 uh, 13 of his 29 points were in the the fourth, fourth quarter. quarter yeah so you know i'm i'm very impressed with uh bruce brown and you know, uh, as we get to the Magic game, you know, I, I was talking about him him a little bit more because, you know, uh, he played well against the Magic, too. And, uh, you know, I had no idea who Bruce Brown was. So, you know, for those that don't know Bruce Brown, he's a two-year pro. He was drafted by Detroit out of the U- University of Miami k dog.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he's been a good addition to the Nets, right? So the Nets come home to play the Kings after an, an excellent West Coast road West Coast road trip, wrapping it up uh, against the, a win against the Clippers and preseason P. So um, in the in the Nets game, and you talk about Harden. Harden's been playing unbelievable, unbelievable. Right. So, you know, they continue to win seven straight win. And they did it again without Durant. And, you know, they had five players in double digits against the Kings uh, Harden. They were led by Harden with his six triple double as a net six, triple double as a net. He's second in, in the franchise history, one behind Jason kid K dog. So to yeah. put this in, put this in perspective, Jason Kidd played six seasons with the Nets to to get seven triple doubles, right? And Harden has played 19 games and he's only one triple double behind Jason Kidd for the Nets lead. It's just unbelievable.
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. James Harden is just uh, playing out of his mind right now. Uh, I think that he should be definitely be a part of the MVP conversation uh, for sure in uh especially the way he's been playing with the nets uh when he came to the nets i did not think he would play like this whatsoever i thought he would be uh to be honest i thought he'd be a ball hog but now it's just showing me that uh he was only uh playing the way he played in houston because he had no one else around him obviously he didn't trust anyone to shoot the ball and now he's uh now he's figuring out that, uh, everyone around him can at least shoot the ball whenever he passes it to them. And, uh, I think it made him a way better player.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. He's, he surprised me quite a bit in the way he can adapt his game to the personnel on the court, the way he adapts his game. If uh Duran Irving are on the court, the way that adapts his game, if he's the only one on the court, but, um, you know, he surprisingly, he's been a good addition to the Nets. And, you know, the Kings, they suffered their eighth loss in a row. They're going nowhere. And uh, that's a team that the, the Nets should beat uh, handily every time they play him.
0: Yeah, but the, uh, the one star that's coming out of Sacramento for me was uh, Tyrese Halliburton, the rookie from uh, Iowa State. He had 23 points and nine assists. Uh, He's playing really well, especially for the, uh, for a rookie. Uh, He's kind of helping this team get a few more wins than they should have had. And uh, all the talk in New York right now, uh, especially with the Knicks is uh, the passing uh, the passing up of Tyrese Halliburton for Obi top. And so that's going to be a story for a while on the Knicks side.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the the Knicks have uh done well thus far with their uh draft pick Emmanuel quickly. So
0: yeah. Uh but uh we'll move on to the next game for the Nets. It was uh against the Magic and they annihilated the Magic 129 to 92. Uh this game was not close at all. Uh well in the first quarter it was uh the, the Orlando Magic took an early lead and I, I was thinking, oh boy, here we go. I thought it would be a trap game, but then uh, Brooklyn goes off for 41 in the second quarter, and then they just didn't look back. Uh, They just absolutely took advantage of Orlando in this one, the depleted Orlando magic. But Kyrie Irving had 27 points and nine assists on 11 for 18 shooting. Uh, James Harden almost had another double-double, but it end, his streak ended at this one with 20 points and nine uh, rebounds and seven assists. But uh, multiple players in double figure figures for this one. Kyrie, as we talked about, uh, Harden, Joe Harris with 14 points, Bruce Brown also with 14 points, Landry Shamit, 19 points on five of nine shooting from three. Did not expect that. And now the rookie... Nicholas Claxton's getting into the mix with 10 points and three rebounds uh so it just looked like this team was uh clicking on all cylinders even with uh Kevin Durant and uh, Jeff Green out
1: yeah certainly you know uh again they played without Durant and you know they, they should be able to be above 500 without Durant playing so you know, he's not playing, he won't be playing again till after the all-star break. Mm-hmm. And then you know, it really doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, the the Nets all they need to do is make sure they finish in the top four going into the playoffs. So if, if Durant has to sit out to the playoffs, I don't think it really I don't think it even really matters, yeah. right? You don't want to bring him back and have him, you know, re injure something because if they need him in the playoffs. They don't need him to make the playoffs. At least that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you got Harden, you know, and the other problem is Ky, Kyrie Irving. You know, some days he plays, some days he doesn't play. You know, he gets the star treatment, right? But yeah. in this game, it was it was competitive. Magic were up 28-24, and the Nets got serious. And they just blew the Magic out in the second quarter, outscoring the Magic forty one to nineteen in the second quarter. Forty one to nineteen, absolutely insane. 19 points. They scored to them 41. <laughs> I mean, gee whiz, you know, the, the nets K dog shot an amazing 72.7% in that quarter.
0: Yeah. That's they basically
1: almost 73%, didn't miss <laughs> almost 73% in the second quarter went on a, on 19 2 run late in the quarter. The game was over at that point. The next nets extended their lead in the third and just utterly abused the magic in the fourth quarter outscoring them 37 to 20 to close it out and Mm -hmm. that's never let off the gas pedal took it to the magic they've won eight straight all basically without durant and uh, this is their longest win streak since 2006 the franchise record is 14 so we will be watching for that see if they can uh, get close to the the franchise record of 14 You know, the Nets are the highest scoring team, k Dog, in the NBA, reaching 120 points for the 20th time this season. This ties a franchise record, and they did it in only 34 games. And uh, the Nets killed the magic on the boards and with fast break points. The Nets shot 44% from the arc. 44% and the magic shot 25% from the arc. So these stats tell the story on how the Nets made the magic disappear. The Nets had a balanced attack with everyone turning a magic trick. Irving had 27, Harden had 20. Uh, He didn't have a double-double as you stated, so that broke his streak. Shemette Landry had 19, you know, but I'm not an advocate of him shooting. His shooting touch has been really poor. He had a really good game in this one, but I don't want you know, him him touching the ball when it counts. That's for certain. You know, Bruce Brown, you talked about and Joe Harris, each had fourteen. So you know, he's really been a good addition to the Nets, as I said before. For uh, Bruce Brown, and it was a great all-around game for the Nets. They held the Magic to under 100 points. So if you can hold a team to under hundred points, you're doing really
0: good. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, and you talked about their eight game win streak uh and it uh came unfortunately to a close against the mavericks uh yeah came l- crashing the, down against the mavs yeah they lost 115 to 98 um it was just uh it was close for a while but then uh uh what is it called the the mavericks just took advantage in the third quarter outscoring them 26 to 18 in the third and then only continued in the fourth. Uh, leading player for the Nets was James Harden. Once again, 29 points, seven rebounds, six assists. Uh, they only had two other players in double digits, uh, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. After Jeff Green came back from his shoulder injury, uh, they they both had twelve points apiece, but everyone else was under ten points, and uh, that just is a recipe for losing. Uh, on the other side, Luka Doncic had twenty seven point six rebounds, seven assists. Uh, KP Chris Daps had eighteen points on seven of thirteen shooting in his return, and uh, another uh, surprise was backup guard Jalen Brunson had 14 points on six of 11 shooting uh in this one uh the story was uh the Nets just didn't get enough scoring from everyone and uh the Mavericks uh, spread out the scoring evenly and uh beat the Nets and ended their eight game winning streak
1: yeah so you know as I was stating before Kyrie Irving he didn't play in this game so you know I'm assuming he got the star treatment day off under the guise of some injury, but you know, can this play, can this guy play a few games in a row? I mean, really?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, he, 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 he seems to need a day off like every three or four games he needs a day off. And um, you know, whether it's his back or whether it's his shoulder or whether it's personal, I mean uh, at least Harden shows up for every game, you mm-hmm. know, so the end of the day the, the trade looks better and better be, and and because you cannot count on Kyrie Irving you just you just can't you know yeah. you, you, you can't count on him in, in the playoffs is he going to play every game in the playoffs
0: uh, I hope so is, is he gonna is he
1: is he gonna have some drama in the playoffs that you know this he can't play every game
0: I, I mean hope, I hope so, so, not.
1: so you you have to be prepared for that and uh you know I, I think the, the Nets could go far with just Harden and Durant, if need be, if, if Irving can't play, because you never know with him what, what's going on. He's got more stuff going on, and the drama surrounds everything he does. But, you know, the Nets, yeah, they had a brief lead to start the game, but the, you know, the Mavs grabbed the stranglehold in, in the first quarter. It took a 12-point lead after one. The Nets claw back in the second, cutting the lead to four. And, you know, the problem for the Nets in the first half was the turnovers. They had mm-hmm. nine turnovers in the first half, and the Mavs made them pay with 20 points off the turnover. So, yeah. you know, you, you can't win playing that playing like that. It was sloppy basketball. You know, Harden, uh, you know, he put on his scoring hat, and he had 25 points in the first half. And then the second half, he kind of, you know, slowed down quite a bit. Um, I think, you know, it was just – the Mavs had too much for the Nets, uh, on the on that night. I think you know uh, the Unicorn comes back, played really well. Yeah. So and then Luca Doncic played really well. So they they were beating you from inside. They were beating them from the outside. You know, and and you know that this was, I hate, you know this is one of these games that I think the Nets just mailed in at this point. No mm-hmm. Durant, Kyrie Irving. You know, uh, the game started to get away from them early in the third quarter, and then I think from there it was just, uh, you know, they mailed that one in. And yeah. then sooner or later, the, the, the winning streak had in sooner or later. But, you know, you, you just wanted you, – you, you would hope that it would run a little bit more, right, because they're catching up to the Sixers. Uh, the Sixers had a bad loss against Cleveland. So, they had I think they had an opportunity to leapfrog ahead of them. But, you know, that's going to go back and forth. And, again, it really doesn't matter – if they finish first in the Eastern conference or not, I think you just got to finish in the top four in the Eastern conference. And you just got to make sure Durant is, is healthy, right? Cause you really haven't seen uh, these three guys playing together with any consistency at this point to understand really how good they're going to be. This whole run was done without Durant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. Uh, uh, hopefully after the break all three of them will be able to play together um but uh we'll we'll look at the the week ahead for the nets it's only two games this week i believe for everyone it's only two games since all-star weekend is approaching us all-star day i should say i believe all of it's all on one day uh, on, yeah i, I, I don't Sunday.
1: think i don't think they should have an all-star game that's ridiculous
0: yeah the players players are uh uh showing their uh discomfort with the game happening but uh, I guess it's gonna happen I I also agree they shouldn't have it there's no point in having it especially with no fans being there there's no point but uh the two games that they have coming up are the west another west coast trip uh against the spurs and then the rockets uh Monday against the spurs and then Wednesday against the rockets I think they go 2-0 and in this one I think they come back. I know the Spurs are playing really well. Uh, Greg Popovich just is showing why he's one of the best coaches of all time. He has this uh, He has this Spurs team at 17-12, and 12, fifth in the West, and he's turning DeMar DeRozan back into his prime form. But uh, I think the Nets will still beat the uh, Spurs in this one off the loss against the Mavericks. And then the Rockets are just the Rockets. Uh, James Harden goes back to Houston for the first time, and I think he, uh, him and Kyrie just destroy the Rockets.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, K Dog. I think the, the Nets go two and zero. I think they beat the Spurs, and uh, I think they beat the Rockets. And the Spurs are in the sixth spot in the Western Conference at this point. They're uh, six and four in their last ten, but they're under five hundred at home. They're they're in the bottom third in points and field goal percentage. They rank ninth in rebounding. Uh, the Spurs, they don't turn the ball over, you know, and they lead the league in the le- least number of turnovers. So they protect the ball. And Popovich, yes, he's probably the the best uh, coach there is. He might be the best coach in the NBA, I think, uh, you know, what he's done with this Spurs team for all these years. And he's get, he, they're playing hard for him, and he, he, he runs a good program. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're good defensively. They rank. 10 in opponents points per game so you know they're not giving up a lot of points and they're led by demar Derozan. you know everything i put up goes in and uh trey jones so you know i think uh the spurs will be competitive against the nets but i think the nets at the end of the day win it you know and then they play houston so you know harden already circled this date on his calendar right Mm -hmm. you know he has been so good and he'll be ready for this one. I fear for the Rockets in this game.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid that know, he might
1: drop like 50 or something. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he's a triple double machine. He's going to want to go out and make a statement. And, and I'm sure his teammates will want to help him do that as well. So, you know, Houston's in the bottom of the bottom third in the league and scoring, rebounding, and assists. They're in the top third of the league and uh, opponents points per game at 13 so you know they're not a defensive sieve but they'll they'll need that defense to make the game close the nets then the nets you know uh again you 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 don't know who's gonna rest or who's not who knows maybe they'll rest uh rest um uh, the the beard yeah who knows (laughs) you never know no i hope not I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he he'll want to play. He'll want to make it the state the statement. So I think the Nets will beat both teams, you know, unless they rest players against the Spurs, you know. But if you're going to rest players, it should be against Houston. Either way, they should beat Houston even if they rest players.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is true. Um, now that we're done with the Nets, we'll move on to the New York Knicks, the Knickerbockers, uh, will do their rewind. Uh, we'll start out with the Tuesday matchup they had against the Warriors. They lost 114 to 106. This game was really close uh, throughout, but uh, Steph Curry was the story of this in this one for the Warriors. He had 37 points, six rebounds, six assists on nine of 22 shooting uh, shooting 50% from three, seven for 14, uh, Kelly Oubre also helped out, uh, with 19 points. Andrew Wiggins had 16 and the rook James Wiseman had 14 points as well. On the other side, uh, it's the same story all the time. Julius Randle, 25 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists on eight of 21 shooting, uh, the story in this one too, RJ Barrett four points on one of nine shooting, uh, that is uh, that is not how you're going to win basketball games if he's shooting like that. But Obi Toppin off the bench, uh, seven points on three of three shooting, one for uh, perfect one for one from three on thirteen minutes. So maybe they are starting to get some uh, traction from Obi, but they lost against the Warriors in uh, the week the week weekly opener.
1: Yeah, and I thought uh, the Knicks would lose to the Warriors. It was just one of those games that y- you thought um, they would lose because they just the matchup there is a little bit of a challenge for the Knicks with Steph Curry. But you know, uh, eventually, the, you know the Knicks have been playing very well, so you know you're gonna you're gonna stub your toe from time to time. And you know the Warriors, they're, they're um, a unique team. They have talent they, they, they can win. They're just very inconsistent. And it, if they don't get a good game from Steph Curry, they definitely don't win. Mm-hmm. It, others are not stepping up when he, you know, doesn't have his a game in place. And it just seems as though, you know, every, every time they lose, he doesn't have his a game and um, he's not getting the, the support that, that he needs for them to be consistent. But you know the Knicks, Anyway, um, yeah, it's a, it's the same story for the Knicks, right? Uh, if they don't play good defense, which is what, you know, their whole uh, game is predicated on, then, they then they're going to lose. Yep. And uh, offensively, it's, it's the same players. And, and that's really uh, w- what you want from the, the Knicks. You know, Randall's going to lead the way. And then there's, you know, two, three, four players that on any given day will be the second and third leading scorer for that game on the team. And uh, they just didn't have that second or third score that they needed Mm -hmm. uh, to compete on that day against the Warriors.
0: Yeah, that is true. Um, And then they went uh, Thursday, their matchup against the Kings. Uh, I I don't think the Kings are going to want to come back to New York after the the two game sweep from the Knicks and the Nets. The Knicks won 140 to 21 uh, they, they controlled this game from the jump. Uh, they outscored the, the Knicks, uh, they outscored the Kings in the first half by a lot and then ended the fourth quarter with a, a 39 to 27 outscoring of the Kings. Uh, and then once again, Julius Randall, the top performer, 21 points, 14 rebounds, four assists, showing why he is going to be an all-star reserve on the be- he's going to be a bench player for the all-stars but that is a huge accomplishment especially from a knicks player this has i don't think it's happened in a while uh probably since Mello. but uh d rose had 18 points off a start uh and alec burks off the bench 24 points eight of 12 shooting five of eight from three and then emmanuel quickly added 25 points uh three of six shooting from three so yeah, uh, if this team has multiple players in double digits, and they could hold their their team uh, against them with uh, less points with from their really good defense, uh, I think they'll be a really good team and possibly a, a scary team in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, th- this game, you know, was atypical of the Knickerbockers. This was more typical of a Nets game. You know, scoring 140 points is very uncharacteristic for the Knicks. You know, this was their season high in points, and and the Knicks just took the Kings to the woodshed, beating them convincingly in three or four of these quarters. And, you know, the Knickerbockers have six players in double figures. You talked about quickly scored 25 points, and he has to be considered a rookie of the year because this kid is playing tremendous tremendous basketball you know of course Julius Randall got his double double with 21 and 14 and you talked about Randall being named to the all-star game uh this week and it's an honor that he certainly deserves and you know this guy has to be in the equation for you know MVP honestly because what the Knicks are nobody expected the Knicks to do what they're doing here Right. And uh, they're a very competitive basketball team. They're, you know, in top six in the uh, Eastern Conference. Um, so and then you talked about Derrick Rose chipping in with his 18. And, you know, the Knicks were up as much as 18 in the third. They went on a 20 to seven run in the fourth, opened up a 20 point lead, coasting the rest of the way. The Knickerbockers out rebounded the Kings and outshot them from the arc 53 to 34 percent. Yeah, you know, the Knicks have won five of seven and meanwhile, the Kings are done. Forget the Sacramento Kings. They lost nine in a row. They've been allowed and they've allowed 126 points per game in that nine game losing yeah. streak. So, I mean, it's, it's over for them. And, you know, the Knicks they're, 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 they get, they're moving up there and, you know, they're fighting for a spot so that they don't have to play in the playing round. So, and, and it looks like they're well on their way to doing that.
0: Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, the last game of the week, uh, on Saturday, uh, yesterday, they played the Pacers and scratched out a win to finally reach 500 on the season. They won 110 to 107. A uh, really good game. It was a back and forth game for the longest. Uh, the Pacers tried to scratch their way back at the end, but the Knicks stopped them with their great defense. Uh, Julius Randle leading player. Once again, 28 points, 10 rebounds, six assists. R.J. Barrett had a great game, 24 points and seven rebounds. Derek Rose, 17 points and 11 assists. Uh, that's just tremendous from, from Derek Rose, uh, Manuel quickly had 10 points off the bench and, uh, it was just a great win for the Knicks moves them up to 500 and now the fifth seed in the Eastern conference.
1: Yeah, this was a big win for the, the Knickerbockers because the Pacers are a team that, you know, they will be battling with throughout the season, uh, for position. And, you know, the Knicks do typically have not played well against teams under 500, you know, this week they, uh, showed that, um, They changed that trend beating uh, a number of teams that were under 500, but this was a big win for them. It uh, gets them to 500, 500, you know, is the watermark. You only build off that from there. You're really not relevant until you hit 500. So the Knicks have uh, gained relevancy getting to that, that watermark, you know, and now it's, it's about being able to sustain that. And, you know, for the Knickerbockers, the, uh, all-star game probably comes at the worst possible time because they're really starting to get it together. You know, and sometimes when you uh, leave for the all-star break, it doesn't always come back the same way, but let's hope for the Knicks sake that the momentum that they've gained um, over these last uh, eight games where they've won six out of eight now that that continues after the all-star break. And, you know, they don't lose any momentum coming out of that break.
0: Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, the week ahead for the Knicks, they have three games this week, uh, one at the Pistons and then at the Spurs on Tuesday and then against the Pistons at home on Thursday. And I think they win two out of three. I think they win both against the Pistons and lose against the Spurs. But, uh, yeah, I think they take, uh, two more wins into the all-star break and, uh, finally hit that over 500 mark.
1: You know, I, I agree with you. K dog. I could see them going two and one, but you know what? I think they're going to be one and two. We already talked about the Spurs. Um, Detroit. They're the worst team in the Eastern conference with nine wins. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what? They're four and six in their last 10. Detroit is a decent home team at six and eight. So uh, they have yet to win a game on the road, Detroit. So, they're they're toward the bottom of the league in scoring average, 108 points per game, but that's slightly ahead of the Knickerbockers who average 104 points per game. The Pistons are also one of the worst in field goal uh, shooting percentage. Detroit can't rebound either, so you know there's a lot of uh, statistics and aspects of the game that favor the Knickerbockers, but you know I'm thinking. I'm thinking the Knicks lose to Detroit at Detroit. I think they lose in San Antonio. Then they come home and they beat Detroit at the garden. So I'm, I'm thinking they're going to go one and two on, uh, on this week.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It could go either way, but. Um... You know, I, and, and I could
1: see them going two and one and you know, it's not out of the question where they can go three and Oh, I just think. Based on the schedule, back-to-back road games, you know, I think somewhere in there they're gonna they're they're gonna lose one to two games, probably two, and win yeah. at home.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, just uh, we gotta give the Knicks fans some hope. Uh, obviously, it was uh, now that there's fans at MSG. Apparently, it was uh, people are going nuts after this win against the Pacers. So uh, maybe it will be maybe it'll be good for New York basketball finally to uh, hit their stride.
1: Well, k Dog, I mean, this is as good as New York basketball has been between the Nets and the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, usually teams, opposing teams, you know, when they see New York and, uh, you know, the Knicks and the Nets on the schedule, they're like, oh, we love New York. They take a nice trip to New York, two easy wins, and they leave, right? Now they're coming to New York. And they go to the borough to play the nets and they get toasted. And then they go to the garden to play the Knicks and they get toasted because, you know, the Knickerbockers, if you're a Knicks fan, you know, the Knicks are positioned to be good for a while. They they truly are positioned to be good for a while. I think they're one player away. You know, I think they're one forward power forward away from, uh, you know, being really good. If OB Toppin can play, you know, like a first round number seven choice can, should play, you know, they're going to be dynamite, but that's yet to be determined. But, um, you know, if, you, if you're if you a Knicks fan, you got to be very happy with their performance. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, for a while there, the only reason I was watching the Knicks was to hear Clyde Frazier, right? Yeah. Swishing and dishing. <laughs> there was no other reason to watch the Knickerbockers except for Clyde, but now there's a reason to watch the Knickerbockers. And, you know, they play hard, and, and Thibodeau has to be in the equation for coach of the year.
0: Yeah. Has yeah, to be definitely has to be. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's turned this team around big time. It's basically the same team as last year, uh, but they're just, they're just finding ways to win. And uh, it's impressive. Yeah,
1: I think the Knicks, you know, that they could have, co- they could win coach of the year honors. I think, you know, with Randall, they might, be able to be in the discussion for MVP honors. And I think quickly has to be in the discussion for rookie of the year honors. So, you know, yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. Uh, Julius Randle could also be in the uh, comeback most, player of the yeah, year. Yeah Most improved player awards.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, the guy's playing tremendous basketball.
0: But uh, now that we're done with basketball, we'll move on to our final topic of the day, which is the Islanders and Rangers preview and rewind We'll start out with the hometown team, the Isles. And uh, last week, the I- they have played three games so far out of the four games, uh, playing today against the Penguins. But we'll start out with Monday's matchup against the Sabres. And uh, the Islanders scratched out a win against the Sabres. Uh, it was a good game. Uh, throughout, and uh, the Islanders just f- found a way to win in this one. The scoring started off with uh, Curtis Lazar for the Sabres scoring in the first period, uh, only goal in the first period. Andres Lee scored in the second, his seventh of the year. And then in the third period, Matt Martin started it off with a goal, his second of the season. Then it was equalized by Sam Reinhart of the Sabers and then the red hot JG Pajot scores the game winning goal seventh of the season to put the Islanders up for the win now Varlamov had a fantastic game 34 saves on 36 attempts uh Omark only saw 23 shot attempts but let in t- three of them good for 87% save percentage uh for this um The Islanders, uh, they did not, obviously they didn't get enough shots on goal, but they still found a way to win.
1: Yeah, no, the, the Islanders, uh, right now they like playing the Buffalo Sabres. So yeah, all you, all, all you, all the people in Western New York that you hang out with, um, you know, the Sabres are struggling. The Islanders have been capitalizing on playing the Sabres. They beat them twice last week, you know, um, and Buffalo was determined not to repeat the start of of this game as they did in the the prior two games in which they were losing two nothing in the first period. And they were successful in doing so because they held the aisles to only three shots on goal Mm -hmm. and a scoreless first period, you know? And so the Sabres turned the the tables on the aisles in the first period, but the Sabres, you know, the Sabres got on the board first in the second period and uh, the aisles responded with a goal by Anders Lee shortly after killing a penalty with Barzell in the box, and Barzell came out of the box flying and contributed to setting up the goal. But he's got to stay out of the penalty box. Barzell's getting way too many penalties. Yeah. You know, they need him on the ice, not sitting in the penalty box. But anyway, you know, the game was tied at one after the second period. So as usual, you can turn the Isles game on just to the, prior to the start of the third period because they'll be tied going into the third period. You know, I've said this many times before, uh, but it seems like every game is tied going into the third period. You know, Obviously, they're comfortable in that position, as I've said before, but it doesn't give them that much margin for error. So then the Isles took a 2-1 lead on a goal by Matt Martin, his second of the year. Sabres responded with a goal to tie it at two, and you, and then the Isles scored about four to go on a power play goal by JG, who is on fire lately. I mean, he scored on a big rebound, but he's been, on, he's been on fire. He's playing well. The Isles power play continues to improve, you know, and the Isles held on with Buffalo, you know, controlling the puck in the Isles end with the uh, Sabres having the extra skater after pulling their goalie, but, um, you know, The Islanders hung on to win the Isles remain undefeated at home in regulation. Just one of two teams in the league with that distinction at the time of this writing, uh, the other being the Carolina hurricanes.
0: Yeah. Um, so now we'll move on to the next game. And it was on Thursday against the Bruins, the first place Bruins. And, uh, this was a shocking game, uh, for the islanders the islanders destroyed the bruins seven to two uh coming with uh coming with a five per, five uh, goal third period uh that's where most of the scoring happened the first period started off with a goal from nick Ritchie of the bruins and then two unanswered goals by the Isles in the first one from Pellick and then one from Matthew Barzell is seventh of the season. And then the only scoring in the second period was from Craig Smith of the Bruins to tie it up at two, but then it was all aisles from there. Anthony Beauvillier scored in third. Uh, Eberly after that, then Pajot for his eighth of the season, Anders Lee for his eighth of the season. And then the youngster Oliver Wallstrom with his second of the season and the Isles won 7-2. to Varlamov had 34 saves once again on 36 attempts, Uh, and uh, Halak just got shelled, giving up seven goals on uh, 37 save attempts.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, as you stated, the Isles fell behind real early in the first, giving up a goal in the first minute, so you thought this was going to be a long game. They come back with two unanswered as you indicated with Pelican Barzell, but unfortunately that lead didn't last long with Boston tying it midway through the second, uh, the aisles as usual, going into the third period tied tied. game game, going third period tied. You don't have to watch the first two periods. Just turn it on at the start of the third period, save yourself a lot of time because you know, it's going to be tied, but anyway, you know, and I'm trying to figure out how many times the Isles have gone into the third period tied. Uh, but I have been unable to do so at this point in time, because it literally seems as though every, every game is game. tied. Every game is tied going to the third period. Right. Uh, but the, you know, the Islanders responded really well. The floodgates opened and the Isles beat Yaro Halak, like a rented mule in the third period, scoring five goals in the period on the way to a 7-2, what turned out to be a blowout. You know, Beauvillier, you talked about his first goal since returning from injury um, to break the 2-2 tie. And the Isles really need to get him going. He's one of their skill players with speed, uh, puck handling, and shooting skills. They need him to get going. And uh, the scoring was capped by Ollie Wallstrom, his second of the season. You know, and if Ollie can continue to grow and play, he's going to be a big addition for the Isles because he's another player that has good skill set. You know, the Islanders don't have a lot of big, a lot of skill players. I mean, they, they have mm-hmm. a system that they, they have a system that works for them. They grind it out and they grind it out and they grind it out. Um, so if he can continue to develop, that will be a big addition for the Isles. And then Varley was good with 35 saves and he's typically always good. Right. And, you know, the Isles beat Boston for the third time this season. Boston only has four regulation losses and three of which are to the Islanders. And, you know, um, the Islanders remain the only unbeaten team at home in regulation this year um, as Carolina, who was previously unbeaten at home in regulation, lost. And so now the Islanders, are the only team in the NHL at this point uh, to be undefeated at home in regulation.
0: Yep. Um, so we'll go, we'll move on to the final game that has completed this week, and it was uh, against the Penguins on Saturday. And uh, it just seems like the Islanders cannot defeat the Penguins this year, as they lost once again in overtime, four to three. The game winner coming off Chris Letang, of course, in overtime. But the scoring started off uh, hot for the Isles. They, they went up 2-0 uh, in, bet- in the first and second period from goals by Brock Nelson and Matt Barzell. But then Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang quickly equalized the scoring in the second period. Uh, and then Josh Bailey, at the end of the second, scored to take the 3-2 lead. But then in the third period... Jared McCann scored, tying it at three apiece. And then obviously Chris Letang scored in overtime for the Penguins. But Varlamov had a pretty good game, 27 saves on 31 attempts. And uh, Tristan Yari had 24 saves on th- on uh, 27 attempts. So, uh, yeah, the uh, it just seems like the Islanders can't beat the Penguins. Hey,
1: dog, this was a repeat of, of the game last week where they lost 4-3 in overtime. I mean, I, I, if you pulled out the, the VCR and put the tape in, it was almost identically the same thing, right? So you talked about, you know, the Islanders take a, a late first period lead with a goal by Brock Nelson, great feed by Barcel, scoring on the power play. So the Islanders' power play – is starting to become somewhat legitimate and somewhat respectable. Uh, they seem to be at least scoring on a consistent basis on the power play, and they don't have to decline the penalty anymore. It seems like, and that, that'll be key for them coming coming down the stretch here because they're gonna need a big power play to win. Mm-hmm. You know, they came out flying in the second period with Barzell scoring his eighth less than two minutes into the second period. And then the tide turned when Ollie Wallstrom took a boarding penalty that kind of seemed to get the Penguins going. Uh, the Penguins go on the power play. They get a goal by Sid the kid when Varlamov skate, you know, he caught an edge and fell over and basically gave Crosby an open net to shoot at. So, you know, the Islanders after that were quickly back on their heels. And then they gave up another goal less than 26 seconds later by Chris Latang, And Latang loves to play against the Islanders. He has three goals this year, all against the Isles. And uh, Varlamov looked shaken uh, because the goal he gave up to Latang was pretty soft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then Pittsburgh continued to threaten over the next several minutes, but couldn't score. The Isles gained the momentum back. Dominating the last four minutes or so of the second period, eventually getting a goal by Josh Bailey on a great feed by Beauvillier and Beauvillier seems to be getting his game legs under him. He's been very impressive the last couple of of games and again, Isles need his speed and skill. And I forgot Josh Bailey was even on the Islanders mm-hmm. because he's doing absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. He's on a long-term contract. He is doing nothing. So, you know, he, he's got to at least contribute, um, you know, but he finally got on the scoring ledger and uh, the Islanders need him to contribute, need some of these others that are, you know, Brock Nelson uh, and others that are on long-term contracts to uh, pick it up and start, netting some pucks here. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, for the first time the Isles going to the third period with a lead K dog, yeah. you know, tip, typically it's tied going into the third, but you know what their lead didn't last long because <laughs> as you stated, McCann scored just 18 seconds into the third. So they might've well as well have been tied going into the third period, but you know, the Islanders, they, they couldn't play with a lead. They gave up a two nothing lead and then a one goal lead. Pitt got the better of the third period. The Islanders, they could only muster up, you know, five shots on goal in the third. Pittsburgh had a great chance to win about two minutes to go, but McCann shot the puck wide after an Isles defensive breakdown. You know, the game goes into OT, and I don't like the Islanders' chances in OT against the more skilled Penguins. I just don't. Three on three. Pittsburgh just has – more skill players than the Islanders. The Islanders need to win in regulation. That's what they're built to do. They're a five man team that plays in a defensive system. And when they play open hockey and, and loose hockey, that's when they, when they lose. So you get to this three on three in the overtime, unless you got Beauvillier Andor or Barzell out there, you know, the speed's just not there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, Pittsburgh ha- had the better of the overtime and-, and Varley had to make an excellent save on Crosby to keep it going. But the Isles couldn't survive the overtime, giving up a goal to Tang with uh, 26 seconds left. So, you know, Letang has four goals all against the Islanders and Varlamov. And I, and I think Letang has figured out Varlamov's weak spot because he all his goals are high over his blocker. Every shot he had, he, every goal he scores on him is high over the blocker. Yep. So, you know what? If, uh, you know, if I'm other teams, I'm watching Latang's highlights and where he's shooting the puck against Varlamov because it's the same spot every time. And uh, this was only this was the only lead of the game for Pittsburgh. They didn't have any any, any leads in this game. So another bad loss against you know uh, Pittsburgh for the Islanders. They gave up lead another lead in the third against Pittsburgh. Varlamov was not good. He was not good in this game. He struggled mightily. I don't know if he tweaked something when he caught his his skate edge, but he 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 wasn't good in this game. And the uh, the and the Islanders K Dog they're zero and four in games that go beyond regulation and to me that makes sense because they just don't have the skill players to play three on three or win in a shootout
0: yeah uh yeah you're right uh it was a tough loss against the penguins but they are uh currently underway right now against the penguins but we'll move to the week ahead for the islanders and uh this one is uh one game at the prudential center against the devils on tuesday and then they play three games in a row against the sabers at the coliseum uh i think they go 4-0 this week uh it's probably the kiss of death but uh i see them 4-0 playing, i see them going 4-0 this week
1: 4-0 this week who are they beating
0: oh the devils and the sabers they play they play they play the devils once and then the sabers yeah. three times
1: Sabres three times.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. The yeah. Six and the seventh. Okay. Well,
1: you know, I, I, I think, you know, the devils beat the Islanders last time they played, the devils are second to last in the league just ahead of Buffalo. So, you know, th- this week sets up really well for the Islanders playing, you know, the two teams that are in the cellar with the, with us K dog, yeah. The Isleys have done extremely well against the Sabers. We we love our friends in Western New York. Right. Uh, but, you know, as a result, I think the Isle, Isles will go three and one. I just can't see them winning all four games. I, I think, you know, I think they'll lose to Buffalo at least. I think they'll lose to Buffalo once.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, Buffalo has to win a game sooner or later.
0: Yeah. And,
1: uh, you know, if they play them three times in a row, beating them three times in a row is going it's to tough. be awfully tough. Right. And New Jersey is going to be tough for the Isles. I think they will win. Um, and I think they'll take two of three out of buff from Buffalo. So that I think they'll go three and one, uh, you know, they could go four and zero oh. again, these are two teams that they, they should be beating on a yeah. regular basis because they're at the bottom of the league. I think they got like 15 points piece at the most. Um, so you can't get complacent, and it's very possible they could win all four. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Y- your friends in Western New York will be crying because the Sabers are going to get. You know, they continue to get shellacked.
0: Yeah, they they are just not a not a good team. Uh, but now that we're done with the Islanders, we'll move on to uh, the Rangers. Uh, their uh, previous uh, rewind, and we'll go with the. Th- They played three games this week, uh, one against the Flyers, two against the Bruins, and uh, it's basically how I expected. I said uh, one and two this week, and they did go one and two. They lost to the Flyers uh, in their opening game 4-3. This game was a back-and-forth game, but uh, the the, uh, the Flyers had two periods of multiple goals, uh, they sandwiched two Kreider goals in both periods, uh, starting off with Eric Gustafsson and then uh, Shane Goss' spare uh, in the first period for the Flyers, and Chris Kreider scored in the middle of those two. In the second period, Kreider was also uh, also the only scorer for the Rangers in the second period, sandwiched once again by James Van Riensteik and Kevin Hayes of the Flyers and then Kreider finished off the hat trick in the third period, but it wasn't enough um, as the Flyers won four, three, Brian Elliott uh, did not play that well, but uh, he, if the Flyers found a way to win Igor uh, Shusterkin had 35 saves on uh, uh, 39 attempts, which is decent, but uh, the, the Flyers found a way to win.
1: I expected the Rangers to lose to Philly in this one. It was an entertaining game because, you know, the Rangers beat them last week. I thought Philly would rebound. Rangers played hard, typically do. They came into this game having won three straight road games, which came to an end. Flyers got out early. and, And the big thing for the Rangers, you know, penalties played a huge part in this game with both teams capitalizing on the power play. The Rangers in particular had eight penalties, which is a lot. The Rangers can't afford to get eight penalties in a game. Actually, no team can afford to get eight penalties in a game because you'll probably lose if you get eight penalties in a game. You know, you talked about Kreider. He, you know, he scored all three goals, had the hat trick for the Rangers. The Rangers' power play has been struggling, but it clicked in this game. Unfortunately, so was the Flyers' power play. You know, as the Flyers took a 2 1 lead a couple of minutes on, on the, uh, on the power play, the first period ended two-one. Flyers. Flyers extend the lead within the first five minutes of the second period on another power play goal, making it three-one. Kreider makes it three-two at the eight-minute mark on his second power play goal of the game and his second goal of the game. And then you know former Ranger Kevin Hayes makes it four-two uh, at four at the fourteen-minute mark. Scores four-two going in the third. The Rangers made it four-three. Criter's hat trick, three and a half minutes into the third. However, the Rangers couldn't get another, another goal past uh, Flyers goalie Billy Elliott. Uh, the Flyers outshot the Rangers and beat them on the faceoffs pretty badly. Uh, Lafreniere was a minus one. Criter was a minus one, even though he scored three <laughs> goals. You know, so he was on the ice for all four Philly goals. That that you know, which isn't good. So Jad had two assists and was. Uh, his plus minus was zero, which means he was on the ice for two Flyers goals. You know, this was Sabanajad's first multi-point game of the season, you know, and this spells trouble for the Rangers. Sabanajad's not scoring goals. His plus minus is poor. Uh, so that spells trouble for the Rangers if he cannot get this thing going here. Igor had 35 saves. You know, the Rangers were without Panarin, you know, who's out for personal reasons. A story came out that he had a physical altercation with an 18-year-old woman back in 2011 in Latvia. You know, apparently this story comes on the heels of Panarin criticizing the Kremlin. So you have to wonder if he's been being targeted politically. You know, let's hope that's not the case. I don't know when he's going to return, but, you know, hopefully soon he'll be back on the ice. Not only because the Rangers need him, but for his own sake as well. So we'll see what becomes of that story but if uh the Rangers are are without Panarin for any significant period of time and uh, and Jad's not scoring they're going to be in deep deep trouble.
0: Yeah. Um uh as we'll move on to the next game against the Bruins and uh it felt like uh the Knicks and Nets versus the Kings in this one uh the the Rangers right after the Islanders uh Beat the Bruins seven to two. The Rangers come back and beat them six to two. F had a fantastic game, thirty-one saves on thirty-three attempts. Tuka Rask got shelled for six goals, and the scoring started off with uh, uh, Philip D. Giuseppe in the first period. In the second period, uh, it was a three to one outscoring against the Bruins. Uh, the Rangers had Ryan Strom. Uh, Colin Blackwell and Chris Crider in the second uh, Patrice Bergeron also scored in the second for the Bruins but it didn't really matter because the the Rangers kept on scoring coming into the third uh, by Pavel Bucinevich and then Johnny Brodzinski and then uh, the final goal was scored by Brad Marchand but it didn't really matter because the uh, Rangers destroyed the Bruins Coming off a loss to the Islanders, and uh, yeah, the uh, Rangers looked good in this one.
1: No, uh, the, the Rangers um, beat up on the Bruins after the Isles beat up on them the night before. So, you know, New York beat the Bruins thirteen to four over over two nights. Yeah, and you know, uh, the Isles beat up on Yarrow Halak. And the Rangers beat up on Tuka Rask. So, you know, Rangers came out early flying. Ryan Strom is hot. You know, he yeah. had th- this was a three-point game for him. So he's really picking up the scoring uh, in the absence of Panarin and Zabanajad, right? And, um, you know, Boston cut it to two, two to one. But Boston unraveled late in the second period, much like they did against the Isles in the third period the night before giving up two goals with just over a minute to play, you know, and that was the difference. The Rangers make it 3-1 with over a minute to go on a power play goal, right? Blackwell is fourth of the year on the power play with our Boston's Richie and the sin bin. And then 12 seconds later, the Rangers put the game away on Kreider's ninth of the season. So Kreider seems to have found his scoring touch, mm-hmm. which the Rangers need badly, very badly. And, you know, then they added two more goals, as you stated, uh, making a 6 1. And, uh, you know, the Rangers were one for four on the power play. Boston was 0 for three on the power play. Big difference there. The Rangers out hit the Bruins as well. You know, they played very physical, beat up the Bruins pretty good. The Bruins didn't really have a response. Sabanajad, so he continues to struggle, didn't get any points in this game. They scored six goals. He didn't get any points in this yeah. game. And he only took three shots. So, you know, at least the positive thing, his plus minus was zero. So he wasn't on the ice for any goals, but he didn't give up any goals. Lafreniere had an assist in this one, finishing at plus one. Georgiev was sharp in the nets, making some good saves. Uh, Panarin didn't play in this game. Neither did uh, Kako. So this was Boston's fourth loss in five games boston's really starting to struggle this win helps the islanders as well who uh, are looking up at boston at this point in time
0: yeah maybe uh, the bruins are finally coming back down to earth but uh the the rangers are currently playing the bruins right now uh and uh are losing but we'll move on to the week ahead for the rangers uh they have a four game stand for this one uh they start out tuesday against the sabers Then they go to a doubleheader on Thursday and Saturday at the Prudential Center against the Devils. And then on Sunday, they travel to Pittsburgh to play the Penguins. Um, For me, I think they will go two and two this week. I think they'll split against the Devils, win against the Sabres, and lose at the Penguins.
1: So you say they're going to go two and two. Yes, two and two. I, I would agree with you, right? So you know, I, I you know the Sabers are really struggling, really mm-hmm. struggling, and the Devils are playing about as well as the Rangers, and they have and the Devils really have a lot of ability, and I, I think they can beat anyone on any given night. I don't yeah. I don't think the same of the Sabers. I don't think the Sabers can beat anyone on any given night. So I expect the Rangers to go three and one. I think they'll beat Buffalo. I agree with you. They'll split with the Devils. And they'll probably lose to Pittsburgh. You know, uh, the Sabres will eventually win a game, right? So, you know, is, who is it going to be against? Is it going to be against the Rangers or is it going to be against the Islanders? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I thought it would be against the Islanders, but, you know, it could be against the Rangers. Uh, but for the Rangers' sake, uh, it, it better not be against them because if, if they lose to uh, Buffalo this week, then they're going to have a, lo- a losing week. And uh, I don't know when Panarin's going to return, but. Keep in mind, he may not be uh, playing next week. So, you know, that's a that's a big loss for them if uh, he's not playing. So the the Rangers really needs a bandage ad to pick it up. If he doesn't pick it up this week, you know, he may not pick it up at all this season because, you know, time's going by and uh, the Rangers can't afford any losing weeks. And really no team could afford afford any losing weeks in this uh, in this division because this division's packed. And if you go on a a two, three game losing streak, you could be on the outside looking in.
0: Yeah, that is uh, true. So uh, two and two for the Rangers for me this week. And uh, now that we're done with the NHL, we are done for today. But that's it for the cellar today. And here's hoping our team came out of the cellar soon.